Hey, murder lovers. My name is Mackenzie. And I'm Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. As always, we would love it if you guys left reviews on iTunes. Please and thank you. Canada. Holla. This one is for you this hey. week. Hey. We haven't done the Canada in a while. Since so, Luca? It's since Luca. Funny enough, if you all were sick of cannibalism, we're not done yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> Canada, why do you guys like to eat people is my question. Stop. <laughs> is this cannibalism? Canna- cannibalism in Canada. That's what I'm going to call <laughs> That's the title. Cannibalism in Canada. Are they smoking cannabis? Sorry, I just put my hand on my, on my hip like you in just a like cheeky popped way. it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see, cannabis cannibalism in Canada. Yep. Can you say that ten can, times? Can fast? can 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 can. That's a song. Um, yeah. So that's what we're doing today. Quick shout out to my coworker Stephanie. She was the one that sent me the story. Like randomly, she sent me a news article. And was like, you should do a podcast on this. It's the only article I can find. And I was like, click, click, click. And had like 10 other articles about it. And my mind was blown. It's gruesome, graphic, and gory. All the Gs. If you don't like it, then this one is not for you. If Luca was hard to stomach, although there are no animals involved. And if Nathaniel Barjona, if any of those were hard to stomach... This one's not getting better. Sorry. If you're eating right now, also put your plate of food down. <laughs> yes. All good tips and tricks. So, thanks, Stephanie, for sending this over to me, you little weirdo, just like me. Also, murder lovers, I do want to let you know that our favorite doggy is in the room because Mila. we are home alone this week. So, should you hear any howls? It's our um, mascot. She's looking at me like, why is she talking about me like this? Try me. Look at her. She's like, fine, I'll leave. She literally just got up and walked out of the room. Fine. I don't want to talk to you guys anyway. I know what I wanted. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's jump in. So this one is, I don't even know what to title it. I'm just going to go in. So this is the Greyhound bus attack in Canada. Oh. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about taking a Greyhound bus? This will change your mind. I have taken the Greyhound bus. I have bus. too. <laughs> I totally have. Um, I took it from New York to D.C. And had I known this story beforehand, I would have probably not. <laughs> Anywho, let's dive in. So Vince Lee um, is going to be the center of this story, and he was born on April 30th of 1960 in China. He graduated from the Wuhan Institute of Technology with a Bachelor of Science in Computers. I'm telling you all this because basically, like, I'm going to set the stage and letting you know that he overall seems functioning and normal, quote unquote. Everything seems on the up and up for him. He... Worked in Beijing as a computer software engineer from 1994 to 1998, and then immigrated to Canada in 2001. He was hospitalized between 2003 and 2004, sometime in there, for an incident with Ontario police, but I'm not entirely sure what Hmm. happened. Okay. But just know that whatever took place with the police, he ended up being hospitalized from it. Weird. That did not slow him down. He became a Canadian citizen on November 7th of 2006, and he married a woman named Anna. From that point on, he didn't really keep up with the whole computer software thing. He, at that point, began kind of working menial jobs at a local church to support him and his wife. 
He quit there in 2005 and began working as a forklift operator. And she was a waitress. So they went from, I mean, he went from being... Really smart guy with a really good job. Yeah, really smart guy, really good job, great education, an engineer, to... Operating a forklift, which I mean, no shame in like that a at all. But from yeah, totally, collar. exactly. So it just it didn't quite make sense how that happened, and then things kind of continued to go downhill from there. So he moved to Edmonton in 2006, and he worked at a Walmart. He worked at a fast food restaurant. He also did newspaper delivery, all things that somebody with an engineering degree should not be doing. Right. Yeah. So all of his employers described him as a hardworking guy. He wanted to do well. For the most part, didn't really have any issues or temper. But shortly after working at Walmart, he was fired for a disagreement with coworkers, which was really out of character for him to, like, have a temper or pop off like that to the point where it would actually cost him his job. Wow. It was just, like, very extreme. I can imagine. I yeah. Mean- Prior to the incident of him losing his job in Walmart, he'd actually requested time off for an interview in Winnipeg. Walmart was aware that he was planning on making this trip to Winnipeg, but things happened. He got in the fight and then ended up getting fired, which freed up his schedule to go to Winnipeg for this interview anyway. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, on July 28, 2008, Lee boards a Greyhound bus headed to Winnipeg. He got off the bus the next day in Erickson, Manitoba, at 6 p.m. Good God, I hope I'm saying that right. I'm pretty sure I am. I'm like 99% <laughs> positive I'm saying that right. He then, so this was 6 p.m. at night, and he stays on a bench near a grocery store with his luggage all night long. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, a witness said that he was sitting bolt upright and wide-eyed at like 3 a.m. in the morning. It was just like very bizarre. Like not sleeping, just awake and That's staring. That's weird. Yeah. Remember, he gets on the bus on July 28th, gets off the bus at night on July 29th, and in the morning of July 30th, he still hasn't left the bench. What? Yeah. At some point in all of this, he has a 15-year-old that sits near him or something like that, and Vince Lee decides to sell him his new laptop for $60. It's like a brand new laptop that he has, and he just sells it to the kid. No rhyme or reason. He just gets rid of it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Very odd. And sorry, his his wife is at home. Did not yes. come with him on the trip? Right, okay. exactly. So around noon on July 30th, passengers begin to board a bus headed to Winnipeg. This is a separate Greyhound bus. Um, among the passengers was a man named Tim McLean. He's a 22-year-old Canadian man. He is returning home after working at a fair in Alberta. And he sat in the very back row. Um, well, I'm sorry. He sat in the back one row ahead of the bathrooms. And Vince Lee boarded this same bus at 6.55 p.m. after it stopped in Erickson. Okay. So the plan is that this bus is headed to Winnipeg. First sure. stop, it picks up Tim. Second stop, it picks up Vince along with everybody else. Okay. Vince Lee originally sat near the front of the bus, but eventually moved to the back row and sat next to Tim McLean. Tim eventually fell asleep against the window with his headphones on, um, didn't really acknowledge Vince at all, like anything like that. They were just riding side by side. The norm. Exactly. And he was still asleep with his headphones on when Vince Lee suddenly pulled out a very large knife and began stabbing Tim in the neck and chest. Fuck. Yep. Just begins going to town on him. Holy shit. That's what everybody around him thought. Jesus. 
So obviously the passengers nearby f- realized what was happening very quickly. Oh my god. And started screaming and ran to the front of the bus. The witnesses at the time said that Lee seemed very unaware that anyone else was really even around. It was just like kind of in a trance and almost robotic-like, just stabbing him. Wow. And the bus driver immediately pulled over the bus and evacuated everybody off the bus. So they evacuated the bus. The driver and two men that had evacuated attempted to rescue Tim McLean, um, but they were chased away by Lee slashing his knife at them. So they were not so able to So he was just see. waving it around and yeah. being erratic. Yeah. So they were not able to rescue him. Passengers were sitting outside and they watched as Lee decapitated McLean. Oh, what? Cut his head off and then held his head up to the windows for the passengers to see. What? And then began pacing the bus and carrying the head with him. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what? Lee then began dismembering the body and eating the flesh. You're fucking kidding. No. So while everybody's sitting outside on the side of the road watching this, this guy's literally at the back of the bus just, like, chopping away at him and eating pieces of him. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, oh, my God. Make, putting on a show. Right. Oh, my God, these poor people. Oh, Yeah. At 8.30 p.m., the police arrived, and Lee is still on board the bus. A truck driver had pulled over in the meantime and provided tools as weapons. So they had, like, hammers and stuff like that sure, that they were using as weapons. And stuff. The truck driver was standing guard at the door using a pipe to, like, block Lee from getting out. Right. And so, yeah, they basically barricaded him in the bus so that way he couldn't get out. Luckily, the driver had had the foresight to actually disable the bus before he got off of it. There's an emergency switch system in there that he'd flipped before he evacuated the bus. So when Lee tried to drive off, the bus wouldn't actually turn on. Oh, he tried to drive off? Yeah, he tried to take the bus and get out, basically. Wow. When the police showed up, the passengers were kind of huddled together. Many of them were crying. Some of them were throwing up for obvious reasons. Yeah. Same. And Lee had still been pacing back and forth with the severed head and was eating parts of the body in front of them. And police also witnessed this. Oh, my God. A tactical unit assembled, and Lee continued to cut away and eat the remains of McLean as the passengers were transported to safety. Lee at one point said something about having to stay on the bus forever. He was like, I have to stay on this bus forever. And that's like all anybody really recalls him saying. And then at 1.30 in the morning, he tried to escape by breaking a window. And at this point, with him trying to get out the window, police were able to tase him, tased him twice, pulled him out, and handcuffed him and took him into custody. Wow. Now... The police were widely criticized for how they handled the situation because they arrived at 8.30 and didn't actually, like, have him in custody until 1.30. And there were a lot of questions as to, like, why they didn't just storm the bus if there were no other victims in there that they really had to be concerned about. Because, obviously, the guy was dead at that point. To that, I would say, how in the world do you even know how to begin to handle a situation like that? I can't imagine just being going into a bus. There's just... The aisle down the middle, you have... Well, my guess is is there's not training for how to handle somebody eating people. Like... Yeah. That might... That's probably a first. Let's have a little grace. And maybe, like, give them a little room to figure it out, you know? So, yeah, there was a lot of criticism saying that, like, that shouldn't have taken as long. At the end of the day... They apprehended him. And does it really matter? It's not like more people died. Right. Because actually, as you were saying that they tased him, I was really glad you didn't say that they shot him. 
So right, I that was I actually thought that was a good move from the police to do that. Right, because I mean, essentially, if he has a knife and he swings it at them, they can shoot. Right. This could have ended very differently. So, so I mean, I get it. Yeah. There's always going to be criticism no matter what. Right. But. There would have been criticism if they'd gotten on the bus and he'd taken a swipe at them and they'd shot him. Right. Yeah. Either way. So Um, now we have him alive. So he is alive and in custody. The pieces that were left of the body were collected by police and placed in plastic bags. Tim McLean's ears, nose, and tongue were found in Lee's pockets. What? His eyes and part of his heart were never recovered, and it's believed that that's because he ate them. His, oh, I'm sorry, his, his eyes. His eyes and part of his heart. I have no words. Yeah. It's him. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, collective deep breath. Holy moly. So at that point, the passengers had been removed from the situation greyhound reps actually took passengers to replace their belongings the next day because obviously they left everything oh, on the bus of course. which i thought was really nice of greyhound and the laptop that he'd sold to the kid was taken into evidence yeah how did they find well i'm okay, not exactly but... sure how they tracked that down but they did find the laptop and that became kind of a story because some stranger found out that they had taken this new laptop from the kid that had paid money for it. So he replaced the laptop. Aww. Yeah, which I thought was really cute. After being taken into custody, he was charged with second degree murder. And at the courthouse, the only thing Lee would say was pleading for someone to please kill him. Please? Oh, wow. Yeah. His trial began on March 3rd of 2009, and he pled not criminally responsible on account of mental disorder. We call that not guilty by reason of insanity or mental defect or something like that. But basically the same concept. A psychiatrist said that Lee killed McLean because God was telling him that McLean was evil and was going to kill him. So he was hearing voices and said that... Tim McLean was going to execute him, so he had to kill him. And at that point, it was discovered that he was actually a diagnosed schizophrenic who had not been taking his medication. Oh. So he was off his meds. Okay. A judge ruled that Lee was not criminally responsible for the killings and remanded him to Selkirk Mental Health Center. And this is where, like, this is where we can have a discussion, you guys. Let me know what you think. So he is remanded to this mental health center. Originally, when he's remanded, it's like 24-7, like lockdown type thing. Sure. Like, I don't care. A year later, on June 3rd, 2010, Lee was granted supervised walks outside within the facility. Okay. So he's allowed to walk around within the facility, but he has to have somebody with him. On May 3rd, 2011, less than a year later... The CBC reported that Lee was responding well to treatment and his doctor was recommending more freedom for him. Oh, God. So this is two years after the incident. Okay. On May 17th of 2012, Lee was granted passes for supervised visits outside the facility to town. What? Where people are? Where people are. Yeah. Um, He did an interview during this time and said that he'd begun to hear voices in 2004 and he believed that he needed to save people from an alien attack. Okay. Sorry. So I'm not totally buying the whole, like, not crazy anymore thing, but we're going with it. Okay. All right. 
So on March 6, 2014, so again, this is like... This is getting too close this is to like, now. <laughs> yeah. This is only like less than... Six years. This is less than five years yeah. after the incident. He begins to have unsupervised visits to town. He's allowed to go into town. By himself. And the following year after that, on February 15th of 2015, he's given unsupervised day passes as long as he carries a cell phone. So he can be gone all day long. He just has to have a phone on him. The... <laughs> I'm not done. I'm not done. Wow. So on May 8th of 2015, so a few months after that, he was given passes to a group home or to group homes in the community, which basically meant that he could stay overnight places. Are you fucking kidding me? And on February six and on February twenty sixteen, Lee petitioned to change his name to Will Baker. No. And began living independently in a group home. And his request for all of these things were approved. You're shitting me. And on February tenth of twenty seventeen, oh the Manitoba Criminal Code Review Board granted absolute discharge to Lee and ordered that he no longer would have living what? restrictions or legal legal obligations saying that he did not pose a significant threat. You're fucking kidding. The only thing that he is now required to do is somebody checks in on him every once in a while to make sure that he's taking his meds. Are you fucking kidding? Yeah. So So he's a free man right now. He is a free man living under a different name. At least we know the new name. Yeah. So this happened again in 2008, and he did, and then he was, like, absolved in 2017. So, essentially. Nine years in or out. The yeah. System. That's it. Okay, we need, okay, this is, <laughs> this is a good conversation. And we've had this before. We've touched on it before. Ed Kemper, what anyone? The fuck? Yeah. <laughs> So, like, there's a lot of back and forth within the mental health community and then obviously, like, his family and concerned citizens and the people in general that are saying, like, regardless, he made the decision to go off of his meds. So he should be held responsible for his actions that he committed while off his meds because he made the conscious decision to do something that he knew he wasn't supposed to do. Um, the flip side to that is, like, the mental health community... Says basically, like, and I'm not saying the mental health community in general. I'm saying the ones specific to his case are saying, like, as long as he's on his meds, he's not a danger or anything like that. This shouldn't be an issue. And the family's like, yeah, but he stopped taking his meds once before. And what's going to stop him from doing it again? Not only that, and I'm a Libra. (laughs) So I unfortunately see both sides of this and I can make points for both, but... Okay, just hear me out on this. I'll see if I can make it into actual words. Mental health, it's a real thing. I am not taking that away from anyone. You know, it's depression, schizophrenia. These are real things. Right. But if you do something to this extent, on or off meds. Well, and he made the decision to not be taking his meds. Then... That's why we have a criminal system mm-hmm. for crimes like this to be punished. Right. Then other people will argue and say that this isn't a criminal issue. This is a mental health issue. But then it's like, do you not hold people responsible for... Right. Like, the f- fact of the matter is, is that somebody died brutally, gruesomely. Right. Like, this is awful. But... 
he shouldn't be held responsible for that. I mean, we do the same thing for drunk drivers. Yep. Alcoholism is a mental illness, and people make the decision to drink. They go out. I'm sure they probably don't mean to run someone over, but if they do or they cause an accident, they're held responsible for their actions. Yeah, you still have to pay the consequences of the choices you make. So I understand him feeling better, which is great. Don't get me wrong. I don't want anyone to feel like shit, but have them feel good while in jail. Yeah. I don't know. Those are my thoughts. I might get crucified for it. I, I It is what it is. I mean, I I can see both ways, case by case, but in this nine case... Nine years. And not even really nine years. Like, the guy was walking around a couple right. years later. Like, no big deal. But in this case, like you said, it's so gruesome, mm-hmm. and it's beyond... Well, and then looked at different ways. Like it's one thing to stab someone, it's one thing to shoot someone, but to do everything that he did, yeah, and cannibalize him, yeah. So let's talk a little <sighs> bit about the fallout. So Sorry. when um, the discharge was granted, his, Tim McLean's mom said that she had no words following the discharge and posted on Facebook that she had no comment to give. Greyhound actually was planning on running an ad campaign that said something along the lines of, there's a reason you've never heard of bus rage. (laughs) Like, right after this. And then they pulled the ad campaign. Oh, it was just a coincidence? Yeah, like, they were, it was literally supposed to, like, go out right after this whole thing happened. They yanked it. Oh, shit. Because bus rage is real here. Wow. (laughs) McLean's family filed a lawsuit against Greyhound, the Attorney General, and Vince Lee, that's still pending, is my understanding. Two passengers also filed suit for being exposed to a beheading, oh, but eventually dropped the suit. Hmm. Um, I'm not really sure why, but I don't think it was really going to go anywhere. On July 17th of 2014, one of the first responding officers to the scene committed suicide as a result of Whoa. PTSD stemming from the incident. Whoa. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. That is so sad. Yeah. And McLean's girlfriend was actually pregnant at the time of the incident and gave birth to his son on December 21st of 2008. So he never got to meet his son. And then, unfortunately, the son became the subject of a custody battle between his mom and McLean's parents. Mm, Okay. And um, Tim McLean's mom currently has full custody of her grandson, but she won't let anyone visit him oh. yeah it's just like it's a horrible thing so many of the passengers and the truck driver from the incident are suffering from severe ptsd and trauma so there's like so much fallout from it so that's why i like i want to mention it just because like i i get the whole thing about like being him not being on his meds and everything like that but the consequences of this go so much further right and there are so many people that are suffering such long-term effects why isn't he? Is my Absolutely. question. Absolutely. Because they're going to have to live with this. And, like, I, there's an argument being made, like, that he still feels remorse for this every single day, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, does he even remember? Right. If he was having an episode, that's Yeah, he probably not. He's probably just been told. Yeah. And, like, yeah, that's a lot to come to terms with that you did that to somebody. But you've inflicted a lot of suffering on some other people, too. Wow. Yeah. I can't. Even, wow, the people that are suffering from witnessing it, just, I feel bad for them. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you even begin to recover from something like that. Oh, I hope there wasn't 
children. I'm sure there were. I yeah. I'm sure there were. Or teenage, you know, whatever, any age. Well, and I think that's where, like, as my my assumption would be as parents, like, you would have picked up those kids and taken off. Oh, like, yeah. You're, I don't know where you're walking, but I'm you're walking. I'm booking it. Yeah. Absolutely. And not shaming those that stayed because they're probably on the side of the road, you know, middle of nowhere, have mm-hmm. nowhere to go, but. But at least get out Whew. of sight. Yeah. That's um, intense. Yeah. So that is the story of the Greyhound attack incident in Canada that involved some cannibalism and all the things that I really hate. Um, But I knew that you would enjoy this one. This is like down your alley, not mine. Absolutely. Um, So thanks, Stephanie, for giving me nightmares. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, I told her I would do this one and I'm it's it's really interesting to me because it's so it's so random and out of nowhere it just like escalates so quickly and then like the way it ends you're like wait what he he only did how long yeah it definitely brings up a very a a very good conversation a good topic for conversation which is what should i mean is the system right are we is it wrong should it be changed yeah i think in at the end of the day it should be case by case I think this case, he should be locked up. Yeah, I was doing. I don't want to meet Will Baker if I go to Canada. And if you do, punch him in the face for me. Oh, jeez. But then, like, run really fast (laughs) because Lord knows what he's gonna do. Punch him in the face, kick him in the kneecaps. Yeah. Then run away. Yep. No, but really, I mean, society—he's welcome to any part of society. Yeah. Yeah, Will Baker definitely blends in a little bit more. Lots to process. <laughs> Lots to process. All right. Okay. With that said, if you guys have stories, topics, or anything like that you would like to have us cover, or if you have weird bus stories, or weird airplane stories, or weird boat stories, or transportation stories in general. <laughs> Send them to us, and you can do that by emailing us at a stranger danger podcast at gmail.com. You can follow us over on Instagram at a stranger danger podcast. You can follow us and rate on Facebook if you don't have Apple iTunes at stranger danger colon a true crime podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at SD true crime pod. Thank you guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye.